The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Tyler's Takedowns. I'm your host, Tyler Peters. This is an SJP World Media Network production and presentation, and I'm so thankful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you're enjoying the content that we provide on the network. And I figured, hey, Thanksgiving's approaching. What's a better topic to discuss than Survivor Series? And I picked the year 1991. It was the 5th edition that came to us from the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Michigan, the Motor City. My reasons for wanting to converse about Survivor Series 1991 was because it's very seasonal. Uh, Going back to, it was on the eve of Thanksgiving, at least uh, per this uh, year, as I should mention and and sound redundant, uh, 1991. But it's important to uh, point out. I mean, this pay-per-view, what made it stand out and separate itself from the other big spectaculars that not only the WWE was doing, of course, it was WWF then, the World Wrestling Federation, to add some context, was the fact that you had a lot of the sole survivors, thus Survivor Series. This was the genesis of a, uh, I think, a pretty cool concept for a lot of wrestling fans And we also witnessed The Undertaker challenge the world heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan in a uh, singles match. I think that was historic in itself because most of the time it's been uh, three on three or however they would do it. Uh, I should have done a little better research. I'll even make fun of myself. But we're just going to have some fun with this podcast. I'm, I'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself because I want it to be very entertaining. So I'm going to try to add some humor. Don't worry, I'm not David Letterman. I've got too much respect for Mr. Letterman, not trying to do a a late-night comedy spot with the wrestling, even though we we got some humorous elements uh, in a lot of these uh, wrestling pay-per-views. But Hogan and Undertaker were both Vince McMahon guys. Undertaker uh, would carry on the mantle from Hulk Hogan as uh, Vince built his company, the brand around Hulkamania. And the premise... For what Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan were conveying to us, the audience, watching on a pay-per-view, or if you've got Peacock or the WWE Network internationally, if you go back and review and observe this very pay-per-view, you'll notice that, of course, Heenan being more the villainous, the heel character on commentary, and and Gorilla Monsoon being more the straight man, the the babyface, trying to call it down the middle, be fair, and Heenan having some elements of uh, favoring the bad guys. What a combination. I mean, those guys were Hall of Famers, so iconic. Not only their voices, being former wrestlers themselves, Bobby Heenan also managing so much talent. I'm just such a fan. You'll hear it in my voice and and hopefully can tell the passion that I bring like anybody. It is uh, very remarkable. So going back to Undertaker Hulk Hogan, I wanted to take a little bit of time to touch on this, and we'll get into the match later. To me, it was, uh, you could say, a type of dream match within the company because Hulk Hogan always faced the Monster Hills from Andre to uh, King Kong Bundy, uh, Earthquake, who we saw in the, the natural disasters regarding Survivor Series 1991. 
uh, with Typhoon and Jimmy Hart, who was uh, later the Shockmaster. Who could forget the debut of the Shockmaster in WCW? Uh, Fred Ottman was, of course, his real name. But to see The Undertaker with Paul Bearer take on Hulk Hogan, I mean, Undertaker was becoming a made man as soon as he debuted at Survivor Series. That's why in 2020, they did the farewell to the Phenom. There was so much significance uh, regarding, or at least relating to Survivor Series, the pay-per-view as a whole in itself for The Undertaker. And this event was building toward Tuesday in Texas, and hopefully I got that term correct. We also uh, were seeing the final buildup for Jake the Snake Roberts and Macho Man Randy Savage. In fact, Gorilla promotes the rivalry by showing a video that is so famous and still discussed to this day where Jake the Snake Roberts used the Cobra to bite Macho Man Randy Savage. And we see Elizabeth come out just squealing, screaming, emoting. And I, I thought it was perfect. And Vince McMahon. To his credit, on commentary, the, the broadcast overall was uh, getting very engaged. I mean, emotional himself, not crying necessarily, but his, the tone of his voice. There, there was concern, worry uh, would be some of the terminology, I guess you could borrow from, uh, as it pertains to one Vince McMahon. So the Cobra bites on Savage's arms, or arm, singular, I wanted to say plural, but anyways, Going back to the Macho Man's arm, the Cobra biting him to see the teeth actually leaving some marks was astonishing, especially during this time when it was very cartoony. Uh, and I'm not knocking it. And uh, pardon the noise. Uh, you know, if you hear some vehicles in the background, uh, it's going to happen even late at night. Uh, but I digress and continue to go back to the point not to get too distracted off topic. Just want to let everybody know in case they hear some kind of background noise that to see so much of the, the close-up, the way the camera worked, the production, it even made me cringe. And, and we're talking, this is the early 90s, coming right out of the 80s, that boom that wrestling enjoyed. NWA also uh, was putting on some tremendous programming, but you got to give credit to where credit is due for McMahon and the national expansion, whether you were for it or against it, or later learn to appreciate it. However, and this was all... Important because not only with Hogan and Undertaker, to me, Survivor Series had a lot of uh, crucial matches, but these were the two that were not only going to sell Survivor Series, but Survivor Series was the catalyst for this Tuesday in Texas that emanated in San Antonio, Texas. And these were the two big, uh, two big feuds, pardon me, if I can talk. My goodness, can I get my words out here? Uh, Roddy Piper also would come out to help Macho Man Randy Savage. You needed the emotion on commentary, just like with Miss Elizabeth, a lot of the officials. I think we uh, saw Pat Patterson, Rene Goulet, uh, Chief Jay Strongbow, a, a lot of the uh, usual suspects. And I say that complimentary. It's not a knock. A lot of the uh, officials, on-screen personalities that would come out to assist in, in these types of uh, situations. It created danger, uh, a certain type of horror, and it fit the psychology of what uh, Roberts and Macho Man were doing, also with Hogan and Taker, along uh, with Paul Bearer. And Paul Bearer started becoming more the manager after Bruce Pritchard, and Undertaker was known as Kane the Undertaker when he first debuted at Survivor Series. Jack Tunney was instrumental during this time period, being the president for the WWF, 
comes from a uh, long line of wrestling. I mean, it's in his family in Canada. Uh, when concerning the Tunney family, Tunney announces Savage won't compete tonight. He did state that all reptiles are banned and Roberts will not wrestle after his actions. This is what I mean, getting the storytelling process over thanks to these uh, larger-than-life characters, but not only larger-than-life, having a uh, figurehead, an authority uh, personality, like a precedent role for Jack Tunney, I thought Tunney did a marvelous job in this role. And and I'd love to hear your comments, as I'm struggling to find the word, but it, it's, it is hard to try to narrow it down in our own thoughts sometimes with our words, because it was such a fascinating time for professional wrestling coming out of such a popular era of the 80s and the 70s that predated it, the 60s and and the 90s. But shortly after, wrestling would would lose its luster a little bit, even though we were all still supporters of it, proponents of uh, a lot of the promotions, even back then. And to be fair, I don't know that I even watched this Survivor Series. You have to remember, I was only born in 86, so a lot of my fandom came in the early to mid-90s, possibly even after 1991, I had to go back to research a lot of the great moments that transpired back in the 80s and, and the other eras or decades, brother. And I'm glad I did. I'm, I'm thankful. Speaking of Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for getting to have a program where I can go back in a time machine, like Back to the Future. Some uh, pop culture references and pop, and pop culture was uh, fitting for this time period with uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, or it was World Wrestling Federation. I know it's hard to uh, put it together sometimes. I, I'm even going back to WWF saying those letters because that's what it used to be. But we do know that Randy Savage would later be reinstated. That was also a big focus for the company leading into Tuesday in Texas. That's why I have to keep uh, reminding us, even myself, about this was actually a catalyst for another event, even though Survivor Series was always built and created to be this massive uh, extravaganza with this concept of continuing rivalries with all these adversaries. Uh, that also, it was uh, a prime example of uh, how you can continue a story between the uh, good guys and bad guys in the ring and outside the ring with promos and backstage segments. And me and Gene Okerlund, there was none better than uh, helping the talent get over. And uh, me and Gene was one of the greats, if not the greatest, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Sean Mooney, very underrated, always appreciated Sean Mooney's work uh, during this time frame, uh, during this era. So Tony also uh, continued, uh, Tony also continued saying that the Legion of Doom and Boss Man would face the natural disasters we just mentioned uh, about earthquake and typhoon along uh, with Jimmy Hart and IRS. They will uh, be on a in part of me in a three on three encounter. He even used uh, the word encounter and cannot say enough great things about Heenan and uh, Monsoon together as a team on commentary. And I also admired the uh, team of uh, Jesse, the Body Ventura, and Gorilla Monsoon as well. They, they were both uh, equally as fantastic. But, man, Heenan and Gorilla, you, you could just tell the chemistry, the real-life friendship and bond outside of the business and in the industry was evident. And the respect they had for one another 
they just played off each other so great. I have to keep just uh, being Tony the Tiger there, I guess, for Frosted Flakes. We see our opening match, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase with Sherry, the Mountie with Jimmy Hart, the Warlord with Harvey Whippleman, and Ric Flair with Mr. Perfect. A lot of whiffs there, but it was a lot of uh, either managers, valets. Sensational Sherry was not only beautiful, but so talented, could go in the ring, could uh, convey anything on a microphone. And Harvey Whippleman and Jimmy Hart and Mr. Perfect was so underrated in his role. Not only a great wrestler, but paired with Ric Flair, I liked it. And Ric Flair was bringing the big gold belt from uh, WCW. This is the time when... He and Jim Hurd, who was uh, over WCW for Turner, were not getting along. I think that's been well documented. We could do that for another podcast. But we see that they're going to be against Bret Hart, the Intercontinental Champion, the hitman Bret Hart. That's why I'll say it again. Virgil, the British Bulldog, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Listen to some of these Hall of Fame and iconic names. And the big gold belt was blacked out. Probably for legal reasons. I I did uh, take note of that. I noticed each wrestler, I'm going to go back to it, faced an adversary. That's what I enjoy, that they continued uh, these feuds with the Survivor Series matchups. DiBiase should be in the Ric Flair conversation. He is just so good, not only on the offensive side of the equation for pro wrestling, but his selling the way he can get opponents over, similar to Ric Flair and a lot of these guys, Bret Hart. Uh, you get a look at not only good offense, good defense, and, and just psychology, if you wanted to borrow from a lot of the sports analogies and compare it to pro wrestling. So Ted DiBiase was in that conversation. He's even said it. I'm a big fan of his podcast, where he could have been the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Bret Hart started his transition from going from a tag team wrestler to a singles competitor. We saw the rise of Bret the Hitman Hardy was the Intercontinental Champion. And can we highlight DiBiase's uh, talked about selling? What about the reactions with the selling, too? I found uh, very instrumental. Flair should have enjoyed additional success. Not that he wasn't successful in the WWF. I just feel like because he had to move on and eventually did go back to WCW, due to Vince wanting to go with a youth movement, I think he even informed Rick of those details, and Rick respected him for that. Uh, yet Rick would go back to WCW after leaving for Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Federation. To see Ric Flair was unique, because we always saw him with Jim Crockett promotions or traveling the NWA territories. I believe he w- wrestled for Vince McMahon Sr., but not junior yet. But the Nature Boy is always consistent. And witnessing the British Bulldog opposite Warlord uh, provided a uh, just some intrigue for me. And they equaled power with each other. It was just two powerhouses going one-on-one. You would essentially get one-on-one matches, uh, certain teams isolating the other rival. Uh, just a lot of things you, you would see that you could draw the contrast with uh, different styles of matches, at least for me. My perspective, that's all I can tell you and share with you, the listeners. But there was some relief because I felt like they were given time. They were allowed to do a lot more without rushing eliminations. It's something I actually put down in my notes. Flair eliminates Davy Boy Smith. Piper and Flair had chemistry going back to the NWA Mid-Atlantic 
Jim Crockett promotions. They just had a uh, past, a history, and I think that's very valid when you're going into a program with certain superstars. Think back to when uh, Hot Rod and Nate traveled the roads together with the NWA, just like I was previously in aforementioning, or at least stating, maybe stating in aforementioning. I should have went back and checked my grammar, shouldn't I? I told you I'll try a little bit of humor. WWE pushed Virgil. They gave him the million-dollar championship when he feuded with DiBiase, and I, I think it was still continuing. Uh, so they had a lot of belief, or do I dare say faith, in Virgil at one time. And Breath the Hitman Hart assisted Piper in pinning the Warlord. The Mountie was also undeniable in the ring. It worked for me in this era of gimmicks. A reliable wrestler. And the referee just disqualified everybody except Ric Flair. So a uh, very unique finish, to say the least. I'm going to flip the pages. You'll probably hear me uh, flip the pages. Mean Gene Okerlund introduces the reinstated Macho Man. WWE always excelled for me when it came to uh, character development. Promos focused heavy on story taking nothing away from NWA or the other promotions. I, I felt like they they did a marvelous job. But for me, going back reviewing these uh, WWF programs, even back in the early 90s, 80s, this was their strong, their strong suit. This was their strong suit. So Macho Man Randy Savage uh, says Miss Elizabeth is here or there, I should preference, and she comes out. She always is charming and beautiful is Miss Elizabeth. Uh, So sad. A lot of these uh, personalities and and wrestlers are now gone. Uh, When you're going back, uh, revisiting a lot of the uh, old score, nostalgic pay-per-views. And uh, her and Savage were always uh, riveting on screen, on camera. In other words, Colonel Mustafa with General Adnan Al-Casey, the Berserker with Mr. Fuji, and Skinner, who you know as Steve Kern, and the mighty Hercules versus the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, El Matador, Tito Santana, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Sergeant Slaughter. Now, Skinner illustrated how you could make your opponent look even better. I, there was a lot of those uh, wrestlers that were able to do that, uh, especially during this era and also throughout these matches. Santana still ranks up there as one of the best. I wish Kerry could have uh, defeated his demons. What a platform, though, he enjoyed, at least for a little bit, with WWE and all capable superstars. And so many of the legends have now passed away. I had to think for a few moments. uh, Just all of the names, uh, whether wrestlers, commentators, you name it, that have uh, went on, unfortunately, and, and very somberly. Slaughter and Mustafa, just they knew each other going Back to how Piper and Flair just always had a chemistry because we all know Colonel Mustafa is the Iron Sheik. And going back to the AWA days in Minnesota, the the training under Vern Gagne for uh, both uh, Slaughter and uh, Mustafa, the Iron Sheik, and Ric Flair, for that matter. A lot of people who made it big uh, were mentored under Vern Gagne. They could rekindle the magic. Savage eliminated. Oh, excuse me, Sarge. It looked like I had Savage written down. He was, Savage was a part of the program, but it was Sarge who eliminated Mustafa. My apologies. John Nord as the Berserker. What a uh, fun gimmick. 
was the berserker. A lot of past tense, I realize this. He presented one massive presence, though. El Matador, Tito Santana pins Hercules, Slaughter takes care of Skinner, Duggan eliminates Berserker, and his team wins. Always love Hatsaw Jim Duggan. Doesn't get much better. Here's something that I uh, took away, speaking of uh, not takedowns, but a takeaway. Jake Roberts' promo followed the second match. Remember, Savage spoke to Mean Gene following the first match, and to me, Jake gave credibility to matches via his betrayal as related to villainous personas. The way he could make you hang on every word, it wasn't shouting. You know, i, I got to give credit to other podcasts and other wrestlers who have uh, attested to Jake's abilities with his, uh, his speech, his promo work. Uh, he made you believe. You suspended your disbelief. That's the whole goal. We see on uh, Superstars an episode, some earlier footage building to uh, the big WWF championship match and the uh, issues between the Nature Boy Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan during uh, a famous funeral parlor segment that was Paul Barra's uh, segment, kind of similar to a Popper's Pit, even though very different. It was Flair who shows Hogan who the real world's uh, champion is, the real world's title being the NWA or instead of the WWF. I, I found that just so uh, compelling the way they were comparing the belts between WWF's uh, world title and and what Nature Boy Ric Flair carried over from uh, all the problems he had uh, between he and Jim Hurd. The Undertaker ambushed Hogan uh, coming out of the casket. Pardon. Piper and Savage help Hogan. Flair Flair joined Undertaker to attack Hulk Hogan to establish he is a heel and and a a heel Ric Flair there's nothing better. And we're seeing the early stages of the icon, uh, the phenom, the Undertaker. Undertaker is flamed by Paul Bear versus world champion Hulk Hogan. McMahon saw the value in each of these uh, performers. No question or doubt about that. For me, uh, interesting that Hulkamania began possibly losing uh, some popularity, descending of sorts, because fans, don't get me wrong, uh, don't get me wrong, fans still loved Hulk Hogan, but wanted someone new, I felt. Undertaker represented a youth movement in this new era. Undertaker became the man for McMahon. It rhymed a little bit, even when I wasn't uh, trying to rhyme. Bear came in highly uh, touted, circa the territory days, uh, Paul Bear, Percy Pringle. Well before he was uh, Paul Bear, was uh, doing a lot of other just fantastic work around the territory system. Hogan finds uh, survival mode. Undertaker halts any comeback. I spoke too soon, rather, as Hulkster got up following the Tombstone pound driver. Flair comes out to distract, and Barra gets involved by interfering in the match. Flair slides a Flair slides a steel chair in the ring. Undertaker wins by tombstoning Hogan, new champion. And Monsoon said Hogan's neck might be broke. Hogan sold it. Uh, it's all building to a rematch for that Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view event. And yes, it was a pay-per-view. Flipping the pages here. Mean Gene continues putting over Taker's victory and Hogan's possible injury. Popper with a mic, enough said. It's always classic when you got Hot Rod on the mic. Sean Mooney talks to Flair and Perfect. Uh, Once again, it's speaking of gold. I mean, not only is he carrying around the big gold belt, but Flair and Mr. Perfect are just uh, iconic on the microphone. During promo time, just like Piper. 
Uh, Flair pushes the world title against the WWF World Championship belt. I actually like the creative there. Okerlund establishes Tunney has been uh, talking to uh, Hulk Hogan about the Undertaker situation and natural disasters with IRS with Jimmy Hart have predicted revenge. They got a little, they actually got their backstage segment. Not a little time, they got enough time. Mooney interviews LOD and Big Boss Man addresses the uh, opponents. What a rush. I mean, we knew uh, that Road Warrior Hawk was going to have to give us one of those. Okerlund is with Jack Tunney, and he states the ref's, the ref's decision is final for Undertaker and Hogan, and then we get and then we get the rematch at Tuesday in Texas. So I kind of already spoiled it a little bit. I, I get ahead of myself. You'll, you'll notice a trend uh, concerning Tyler's takedowns. Next match, the Beverly Brothers with the genius Lenny Poffo, or Lenny Poffo. I said Lenny. My goodness, that's Lenny Poffo. It's my writing. What can I say? The Nasty Boys and Jimmy Hart versus the Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch, and the Rockers, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Uh, a lot of odd pairings, but it actually was not bad. This was a very good match, uh, largely due to uh, the Rockers. And Luke and Butch match up versus Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sachs because it's more of a brawling style. The Beverly Brothers could brawl, but could, I'm sure, mesh better with the Rockers. And probably knew them back in the Minnesota days. If you recall, the Rockers started in the AWA. At least that was one of the bigger territories. Luke is eliminated by Nobbs. The Rockers offered more creative offense. Michaels and Janetti wrestled technically, mixing high-flying Beverly's Spike slam Butch and eliminate him. Michaels puts away Bo Beverly. And Janetti accidentally kicked Michaels, costing uh, Michaels to be eliminated, pinned by one of the Nasty Boys. And the Nasty Boys attacked Janetti. Sachs would go on to pin Janetti to win the match. And it was showing the early signs of dissension between the Rockers, Shawn Michaels, and Marty Janetti. But it, it is a very underrated match. I'm even at a loss for it. Our main event, Boss Man teams up with Hawk and Animal, LOD, versus the Natural Disasters, Typhoon and Earthquake, and IRS alongside Jimmy Hart. IRS cuts a promo on the good guys before the match begins. LOD are the tag team champions. See, my preference was uh, going back to LOD, Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, was previously in the NWA, uh, no offense, to uh, when they got to uh, the WWF, I, I just felt like you had Iron Man playing throughout the arenas. Uh, you still got just massive reactions. Not that it should all always be. A, not that it should always be about the reactions. However, you couldn't deny the uh, the intensity, the the way the place erupted after you you watched LOD uh, enter or emerge into any kind of arena or stadium per se. And their success in Japan, the big boss man was big Bubba Rogers for Jim Cornette and the midnight express with the NWA Jim Crockett promotions. I think Dusty Rhodes, the story I've heard from a lot of people that were on the inside of the business. Thanks to being such a fan of their podcast is that uh, big Bubba Rogers, even Cornette himself, Dusty saw something in him. He, even when he was very young in the business and, Look to how far he came along uh, to uh, working some big-time programs, pardon the pun, with Hulk Hogan in the steel cage matches uh, and on a lot of the house shows and and made just some crazy amounts of money, I'm sure. But the big boss man uh, was one of the, the best uh, 
big men, I think, along with Earthquake. And I, as much as I love Andre the Giant and a lot of the other big men today, uh, you can't deny the abilities of Big Boss Man. And he complimented LOD here. So I actually didn't mind the the pairing. Uh, and maybe I said that earlier on. I, sometimes, heck, I even forget what I said a few moments ago. And I shouldn't be. What's wrong with me? Uh, but I continue. I, I better move on. That, that's my cue to go into uh, the transition there. But we had a lot of uh, massive humanity in this matchup. Uh, we got the natural disasters with uh, Typhoon and Earthquake, uh, another great uh, big uh, athlete, and uh, actually did wrestle in sumo. Uh, it was a reality and had a career over in Japan like a lot of the American or Canadian wrestlers. I believe Tenta was actually originally from Canada, but North America, however. And uh, to me, the people that made the match where you could be more tentative and get even more into it were uh, IRS, uh, going back to Mike Rotunda, that was his other name, uh, of course, the Varsity Club in the latter days of Jim Crockett Promotions, NWA, WCW, and his run with the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and his singles run as we are viewing it going back during these pay-per-views or, or you know, with all these uh, great accolades from amateur wrestling and, and on the collegiate level, a lot of people have came from an Olympic background. Mike Rotunda was just one of those uh, standard bearers. And for me, it was uh, Boss Man and Rotunda. It was IRS, his uh, gimmick, as he was known in the World Wrestling Federation, that made this match more enjoyable. No offense. And I even uh, was bragging about LOD and uh, nothing against uh, Typhoon. I I thought they were all just uh, wonderful characters. But as far as the wrestling, I think Boss Man and especially IRS, it doesn't get much better than uh, those two guys. So it was actually a a pretty good matchup. We see uh, how uh, a briefcase uh, played a big part in this match. IRS, uh, I think, slid in the briefcase and uh, pinned Boss Man. And Hawk uh, created a scenario where uh, a scenario where IRS hit Typhoon via the briefcase. It may have been Typhoon who slid the briefcase in. I, I just watched it uh, the night before, uh, prior to recording this very podcast. So it's it's you know how should I forget stuff already? Help me out here. I'm sure somebody that's uh, listening could uh, definitely give me an assistance. Maybe I get hit in the head with a briefcase. Who knows? But Earthquake and Typhoon uh, left the IRS. Poor guy. Defend for himself against LOD and Bossman. But Bossman was eliminated. IRS tried exiting until Bossman intervened and did not allow it. A doomsday device by LOD would win the matchup. And there you go. The tag team champions win the matchup. Uh, And Bossman was involved with... uh, the three-man team, Jack Tunney, made it happen. And uh, Sean Mooney said Hogan vowed to win the title back so we get more of the promos, the backstage segments, but we don't just end it on the match. And uh, what I like that Mean Gene Okerlund and, uh, well, Mean Gene's going to come up next. Go- goodness gracious, I'm, I'm hitting fast forward on myself. I, I need to hit rewind. It was uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan that were about to close the show and, and promote Tuesday in Texas and then said, wait a minute, we've got Mean Gene Okerlund standing by. I thought it was a good kind of cliffhanger. And uh, Mean Gene Okerlund, it's very classic seeing him in a backstage area. 
and smoke filling and you hear, you hear Paul Bear's voice and uh, he was so good as Paul Bear was uh, Bill Moody, Percy Pringle. What a terrific manager. And, uh, and the Undertaker coming into his own with this persona, and uh, you hear him speak in that deep voice where Bear's got more the little bit of a higher voice for a guy. And uh, Mean Gene Okerlund's always just got that perfect, rich voice. And, uh, man, I could listen to Gene Okerlund uh, all the time. I mean, the guy's just impeccable. Um, but anyways, it was uh, where Gene Okerlund ended up looking at a casket, and I guess it was supposed to be like Hulk Hogan or or they had to mimic what uh, it would look like if Undertaker were to retain the title and, and win the uh, the rematch for Tuesday in Texas. But Survivor Series 1991, that, that's how it ends. And uh, it was uh, another memorable show with uh, a lot of people that, to me, uh, transcended wrestling that you'd see on other you would see in other promotions. And uh, I don't know that I even said the day. You'll hear me turning pages again because I had a few or maybe more than a few. And uh, let me get back to it. Yeah, it was uh, the date was November 27th, 1991. And I can't even recall if I if I stated that in the opening. But I, I, I wanted to say the date again to add context. So we got The Undertaker uh, winning the world title from Hulk Hogan. Uh, heard a lot from Jack Tunney, at least. Well, maybe not a lot, if not some from Jack Tunney. Uh, mean Gene Okerlund uh, selling it, along with Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain, Heenan, Jake the Snake, Roberts, and Macho Man, Randy Savage. The famed uh, Cobra Bite and Vince McMahon getting all uh, emotional on commentary and Miss Elizabeth uh, showing a lot of her concern, even voicing it, as you could hear uh, during the video footage. And Ric Flair targeting Hulk Hogan, aligning himself with The Undertaker and Paul Bearer, and uh, just seeing a lot of the uh, all-time greats, Ted DiBiase, uh, Roddy Piper, the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, uh, just so many. It's just uh, what a, a wonderful time to be a wrestling fan, and this was probably pre, uh, pre-my pre time as a fan as I was trying to look for the words. I, I'm just so excited to uh, be growing and uh, learning and getting this opportunity uh, with SJP World Media. Listen, we all grow. Uh, I'm gaining more confidence, and and gosh, Amadi, I'm going to mess up a lot. It's due to the uh, just fantastic editing by Sai Powell and and those over a part of his uh, media conglomerate as it grows. And he'll probably laugh because he's a very humble guy that we we all try to be humble. But I want to uh, give him all the accolades and uh, a lot of the people that are doing some uh, just positive stuff uh, for SJP World Media. That's why they need to be put over because they're also allowing me a platform. And and I want to thank you all, the listeners, other podcasts that I've co-hosted. And and I've tried this out with a podcast before under a uh, another name that had my name, Tyler, in it. But instead, I wanted to change it up and, and come at it fresh and and have a, uh, a platform, a network, and a support system and wanted to give the support back. So check out a lot of their shows. Uh, this was Survivor Series 1991. It was long, but it was enjoyable. I don't know if things got edited out from the original or not. I know this happens. And I want to try to get it to where it's more of a conversational podcast. I know sometimes where I'm learning commentary, that's going to come in. But I, I try to veer from it, but it's it's just bound to happen on certain episodes, and 
and trying to remember everything, even at 30 something at 36, I can't even remember my age at times. And that's bad. And maybe it's just because I decided to record so late at night. Uh, you know, maybe I've learned my lesson, but regardless, I just, I'm just, uh, so honored to uh, be on here. That's why I wanted to take some moments, not to bore you, but to uh, compliment the great work that other people do. Because, hey, listen, we're all a little prideful, but you know we need to stay humbled and, and grounded and down to earth and, and support each other. And uh, I just can't say enough good things about this network and, and Cy Powell himself and and uh, and Benny and of course Danny and and so many others. Ben Axe, I mean, the great podcast his wife hosts now about music. Uh, Go check it out. I, I believe it's called the Axe Podcast or Playlist. I should have wrote it down. I am trying to get all the new programs in, and I, I still screwed it up. So forgive me. Maybe some bloopers. Uh, but I wanted to add a little more time to talk even non-wrestling related programs. Trust me, we, we talk plenty of wrestling. It, it's going to be there. I uh, wanted to uh, try to create more of a variety. That's why the promo, I even out of luck, just happened to say, hey, you want a variety. But I want to thank uh, so many of you. Uh, I'm trying to build this thing. If nothing else, if I just get one listener, but hopefully I'm, I'm getting more as this thing grows. Uh, but it's not about me. Even though it's my name, it's my show. It's true. It, it's about you all. And, uh, hey, what can we do to make it better? I mean, I'm trying to to do just that. And, uh I want to thank you. That's why I want to get this content going. Uh, there may be times I take a break off and maybe have enough episodes so you can enjoy them, but there'll be enough archive by now that I can build enough uh, content. So I, I just want to express my thanks. And uh, and did you enjoy Survivor Series? That would be a great question. I mean, did you like Ric Flair and the WWF or, or Hogan and Undertaker or uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, Randy Savage? It may seem obvious, the answer, but... I want to know what everybody's opinions are and were uh, trying to do present and past tense again. I'm, I'm having to go back to my grammar school, some English there. I, I've probably overstate that sometimes. And uh, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, Warlord. I mean, some of these other names that deserve some mentions. It's just hard to keep up with them all. Uh, but I, I'm just having fun, just talking into a mic, having a, a fun conversation and uh, I just, I'm, I hope you all are enjoying what I'm doing and you're here with me for the ride. And man, I, I'm excited. I don't know about you. I just, the more I'm doing these, the, hopefully the better I'm getting, or at least the more I'm understanding and growing. And I hope you can tell by what I'm doing. But thanks to the, the just overall uh, amazing editing. I mean, that, that's always a big plus. I, I have to make the hot tag to uh, sign our editing behind the scenes, but I know I went off on a tangent, but I really appreciate the support and please subscribe. I'm on Spotify and Apple podcast. Should have said that at the first program. I I was doing better on the, the uh, last two, but uh, this has been episode 11 from what I, I can remember. Goodness gracious. I've got, I've got to try to keep up with the catalog now, Uh, but you can even make fun of me going, this guy can't even keep up with his episodes, but heck, I'm still having fun. I mean, hey, please, if it gets you a laugh, that, hey, sometimes we need to laugh at the expense of others, not in a mean-spirited way, but in a good-spirited way, I guess is how I should have worded it. Uh, but if you like Survivor Series, you, you like some modern-day stuff, hey, this podcast is for you. It's hey, I'll get back to some modern stuff, but I thought, hey, it's getting near Thanksgiving. I'm trying to, to plan it on um, anniversaries of dates or p- possibly uh, what pay-per-view or event 
transpired in a certain year and, and looking back, especially with the uh, the nostalgic type uh, pay-per-views like this. It's nostalgia now, uh, as we're talking 1991 Survivor Series uh, from the Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. I hope you enjoyed it and and uh, enjoy this uh, Thanksgiving. We'll have more uh, episodes uh, before Thanksgiving, at least one or, or two more. I'm going to try my best, but to keep on schedule, I've, I've got to uh, up my game, uh, so to speak. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit, too, uh, on a personal level and uh, and just uh, brag on the podcast and the network, more importantly, and the other podcasts. So thank you all. I've enjoyed it. I always go too long, and, and I'll need the, this conversation edited, I can guarantee you. I'm Tyler Peters, your host. It's been episode 11 for Tyler's Takedowns. And we discuss, or I discuss, gosh, I'm so used to saying we, I discuss Survivor Series 1991.